Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 63 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Keith Ippel. With over 15 years experience as a leader in technology-centric businesses, Keith has accelerated the growth of both small and large companies, launched new products, and raised over $20 million in angel investment and venture capital. He has an unparalleled ability to collaborate with entrepreneurs, employees, and investors to deliver amazing products to the market. Keith is passionate about creating opportunities that previously didn't exist for people, and co-founded Spring to bring that into the social venture space. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Keith's journey in leading a community of purpose-driven leaders, we'll get Keith's valuable insights into the social enterprise sector in Canada, and we'll get Keith's tips into building successful enterprises that thrive. Keith, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. Pleasure to be here. Great. So to kick things off, Keith, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you down the path of working with purpose-driven entrepreneurs? Yeah, I'd love to talk about uh, this journey that I've been on uh, because I think it parallels a lot of other entrepreneurs. And and for me, I have a background in business, an undergrad in business and an MBA. I spent a few years doing management consulting. And, and uh, after that, I got into the tech startup space. Yeah. And I spent a good 10 years in the tech startup world and with a lot of really interesting technologies and companies and I grew some teams and we, we uh, sold uh, a business and we sold some IP and we spun a business out and, and there was a lot of cool activity happening. But as I got towards the end of that particular journey in my career, you know, it just really started to ring hollow. Mm. And, and I, I, I really felt that I was struggling to find meaning in what it was that I was doing. And so that led me to take a sabbatical in early 2010. And, and that was really my opportunity to really reflect on what it is that I was doing and why I was doing it. And yeah. as a part of that process, I had an opportunity to give back uh, to some nonprofits and charities. And that's really what captured my imagination was on one hand, there's some people doing incredible work in the community, uh, nonprofits, charities, cooperatives. But at the same time, I could see the, the potential to impact our communities and the, the potential to change the world through the for-profit model as well. Mm. And that's what led me on the journey that has brought me here today was how do I create this intersection between impact and for-profit and then also uh, between impact and all of these great sort of tools and technology and resources and capital that have been available to the tech world for the last many years. Very, very interesting. So tell us more about Spring then. What are its origins and how does it operate to deliver this positive social impact? Yeah, fantastic uh, question. Because, you know, how does it help to support is really about why it came to be. And for Spring, the organization came about because we saw an opportunity to create this collision between the impact 
world and the tech community. And so we thought, what better place to do that than early stage? Mm. You know, ID on a napkin through to say a million five in annual revenue or annual turnover and and really try and catch people at the formative stages, idea creation, customer discovery, minimum viable product, company launch, and, and catch them then when they're starting to think about things like vision and values and purpose and really have them weave that in while giving them some incredible tools to be successful as they did it. And so that really is what created the launch of Spring. And, and we really spent some time looking at different models that existed in the community, like incubation models, acceleration, co-working spaces, et cetera, yeah. to find what we thought would be a great fit for this, uh, for this purpose. Mm, very, very interesting. So what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to face until now, and how did you navigate your way through them, Keith? Yeah, you know, there's probably two things that I'll touch on. One is we ourselves being a startup. You know, uh, this is my fourth venture, but every startup is new. Every startup is unique with its own opportunities and challenges. And and our greatest challenge, to be honest, uh, within Spring itself was how do we support entrepreneurs in 2017, 2018 and beyond? And what we realized is that some of the existing platforms and, and programs, things like incubation and acceleration, while they supported entrepreneurs at a specific point in time, they really didn't provide that ongoing continuity of support and community and accountability. Yeah. And so for us, that, that led us to this sort of evolution spring to where we are today. The second challenge that I'll share with you, which is might be a little bit unique to Canada, which is where we're based in Vancouver, but we, in that particular context, really noticed that uh, most of the, the ecosystem support organizations here are, are supported by government funding. And we had made a decision to be a for-profit venture to really walk the talk. Yeah. And so, so that created its own unique challenges um, in in how we did it because we we chose to forego some of those earlier pots of, of funding from government in order to to chart our own path. So, so those were a couple of things that we faced early on, and it's been an, it's been an exciting journey. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. So what advice then would you give an aspiring social entrepreneur who has an idea but's unsure of what steps to take to move it forward? Yeah, so it's a fantastic question. I think we find that that question is a universal truth question, whether somebody is a technology entrepreneur or a retail product entrepreneur or a social impact entrepreneur. And that is you have to first and foremost prove the idea. And to prove the idea, we're talking about customer discovery. Mm. Uh, customer discovery is a, is a tech term uh, used to describe a, a version of market research that just really helps an aspiring social impact entrepreneur or impact entrepreneur to um, answer a couple of key questions. The first one is the problem that they're trying to solve. Is it actually a problem at all? It, you know, do, do people face that problem? And is it, is, is it an important problem for them to solve? The second question that it helps you to answer is, is the solution I'm proposing one that they want and one that will actually solve the problem? Yep. And then the third burning question, and ultimately the most important one is, do I actually want to go do this? Mm. And do, do I want to dive into this world of entrepreneurship and, and eventually leave my day job and, and take the risk uh, that is associated with uh, doing something new and different and, and risky. Yeah. So, th- so, 
So customer discovery really helps on that path. The benefit that entrepreneurs have now and social entrepreneurs being uh, well within that category is they have an opportunity to get fantastic resources online to help them through that customer discovery process. Mm. Or they can also look at uh, more local incubation programs as well if there is one in their community. Yeah. So once they have found those customers and validated that idea, Keith, and are looking to scale up, what advice would you then give to someone who's looking to get that sustainable funding for their initiative? And have you seen any changes in the way that social enterprises are tapping into different revenue streams? Mm. Yeah, well, and maybe by extension, the different ways that they're tapping into revenue streams and maybe also funding sources. Yep. And, uh, and so, great, great question. I think as social entrepreneurs start to, to validate the market they've launched in the marketplace, the first thing that they need to do is stop and remember that it takes a village to raise a company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what they want to do is wrap themselves with some fantastic either mentorship and or advisors. And we're looking for people who first and foremost have industry experience to help us avoid rookie mistakes. Yeah. Uh, the majority of people start businesses in industries that they do not have experience in. And so it's a really, you know, adding that industry expertise through advi- advisors and mentors is such a great way to shortcut the learning process and, yeah. and, and increase the probability of success. Add on to that people with good business model experience. So whether that's software as a service or retail or e-commerce or anything in between, we're also looking for people who have a great network and a network could be a network of investors, it could be a network of partners and customers, or it could be a network of talent to add to the team. Mm. Um, and then the last thing I always look for in, adv- in advisors and mentors is people with geographic relevance. And geographic relevance comes in two facets. The first one is geographically relevant to me, the entrepreneur, so someone who's local yep. that I can engage with. Um, and the other, of course, is geographically relevant to the customer. Uh, people mm-hmm. who can give me that cultural or local context that uh, would be invaluable to me, both understanding my business, but also increasing the chance of success. So that's what I'm looking for. And that's the advice that I give. Now, to touch on the topic of alternative revenue sources and alternative funding sources, you know, social entrepreneurs, one thing that I love about them is they tend to be better at bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. And by bootstrapping, I mean generating revenue early. Uh, to validate the idea, to get to profitability, uh, and to create some independence and uh, less reliance on external funding sources. So, so naturally, they tend to go there. We see some interesting trends, like you know, the real push, of course, into e-commerce for anything that's physical, any sort of physical product. Um, the rise of Amazon uh, globally. You know, the latest statistic is. Over 80% of U.S. households have an Amazon Prime account. Mm. Uh, and so, so you know, the impact that that has is a channel and, and also the ease it by which you can get onto it. Uh, so e-commerce for physical products, you see a lot of content players now where we, we saw an omni-channel trends for content creators. So people like Monocle and Refinery29 and, and Vice would you know, do a mix of, you know, physical magazine, uh, app, e-commerce, mm. uh, and Monocle would even take it as far as, you know, radio station yeah. and events and a few other things. And now we're starting to see this more membership-based model uh, where the marketplace and consumers are now starting to get more and more comfortable with becoming members 
to a community to access content and to be a part of that content creation process. And so uh, more recently, I've seen organizations like Discourse Media in Canada, uh, Rank and File Magazine, which is based out of uh, Oslo, Norway. Those would be a couple of examples of people who are now stepping more into this membership-based model. So those are some of the new models, and those are impact works that are leading the way. Uh, for-profit impact works, as a matter of fact. Yep. And uh, so that's cool to see. On the funding side, the continued growth of crowdfunding in many markets like the U.S. and Canada, taking uh, the lead of places like the U.K. and, and the Netherlands around equity crowdfunding mm. as an alternative funding source. Uh, definitely seeing a lot more of that. Crowdfunding continues to grow. We see more specialization. So platforms like fundraiser for nonprofits and charities. We see platforms like Wayblaze, which is a community, you know, place-based investing yep. crowdfunding platform. Uh, so we start to see some different elements there. So, you know, the, the amazing thing now is that people are doing some really interesting things. And of course, we haven't even got to the cutting edge yet of people going to things like initial coin offerings and, mm. and blockchain and some of the other vehicles that are on the horizon and we're starting to see them touch in on, on companies and trends maybe a little bit early to tell uh, what the impact they're going to have long term. Yeah, it would be very, very interesting to, to watch those other technologies uh, move forward. And yeah, it's very funny that you mentioned crowdfunding as well, because just last week I had a conversation with uh, Anna from PledgeMe, and uh, she was she was discussing those models as well. So, Keith, are there any particular business or design tools which have proven to be really invaluable in the development and daily running of your business? Yeah, so I'm really glad that you asked that. The first one, more than anything else, is is to create some a rich and robust community process for an organization. Mm. You know, and that's really been, I think, the most fundamental shift in business in the last, I'm going to say, seven years. Yep. You know, in 2009, you probably could not find a job description anywhere which had the title community manager. Yeah. And, and so now it's not only pervasive, but you're starting to see org charts where the community function actually sits separate from sales and marketing as its own strategic function within an org chart. And so, so having really effective tools around community is critical. And so combinations of, you know, CRMs uh, and data and analytics tools, appropriate use of social network, social networking tools. So, whether that is, you know, private Facebook group or it's, you know, um, LinkedIn groups or other social platforms, you also see things like community platforms uh, that exist out there. So Mighty Networks would be an example where someone could create their own bespoke community platform for their community. So these are pieces that I think are critical. Having a, an effective content management system is, is going to be gold for an organization and then having robust analytics. So in our world, we see a lot of people using things like Infusionsoft and HubSpot as tools that they can dive into when they get a little bit farther along. When they're at launch, it's fun to watch the creativity of people trying to put tools together as they look to still get the, the benefit of analytics that mm -hmm. a larger platform like Infusionsoft or Salesforce or 
a HubSpot might offer, yep. uh, but uh, but still be able to make it work. So we see a lot in the startup world, things like MailChimp, Zapier. We see Pipedrive for sure on the CRM side. Yeah. Uh, people pushing Google Analytics to its limits, uh, Facebook Analytics as well, of course. Uh, so we see a lot of that activity happening. So those are some of the key tools. But what I would say to take it a step back and a step up, tools like Strength Finders 2.0, Strengths-based leadership, uh, Myers-Briggs, so 16personalities.com mm. is a great resource for that. Yep. Um, really getting the team lined up and aligned quickly and then wrapping that around a, an effective leadership structure. And so, you know, there's some great tools out there. Uh, One-page plan would be an example of this. Uh, and there is a book that I love to recommend to entrepreneurs, and it's called The Metronome Effect. And the Metronome Effect is a book uh, written by Shannon Susco, who is a two-time exit uh, serial entrepreneur, very, very successful. And uh, and she actually did us all a favor by condensing, you know, about 30 of the most famous business books into one really nice, tight guide for how to create a fantastic uh, leadership rhythm early in a business. So even when you're two people, you can fully take advantage of it, but it'll mm. help you grow from two to ten to 50 to 100 and beyond and ultimately to the realization of your vision however large that is yep yeah well it sounds like a fantastic book and so i mean you work within a co-working environment keith and you're yeah. you certainly have you're, you're no stranger to collaboration so what do you believe are the fundamental ingredients then that are necessary to generate a, a collaborative culture in today's work environment so it's interesting, right? Uh, I guess from my perspective, there's kind of two tiers to that answer. One is a collaborative work environment within a company, and then one is a collaborative work environment in the community where yeah. you work. And so within a company, the first thing that I think a leader has to do is after they've embraced a rhythm, such as one proposed by metronome effect, that they need to release the traditional sense of what an office place needs to look like and also what a team looks like. Mm. So now we're in this world where we have you know, fully distributed teams, global presence, uh, no more than two employees in any one location. Uh, we also have this really seamless merger now of full-time employees along with freelancers in every possible role within an organization. And so, so really a collaborative work environment needs to allow for those two, you know, what I consider to be the future of work, those two key components need mm. to be present and need to be allowed to thrive. Yep. And so, so for me, having very effective communication tools, um, having a very effective and structured rhythm for the organization is critical to allow that to happen. Yep. And, uh, and so for me, that's kind of critical with, within an organization um, and finding those cultural elements within the company, which is really born out of company why, uh, you know, the vision and the values, yep. then, uh, then from there you can make sure that it works well, regardless of where your people are and how you work together. And then, you know, it, within a community, um, it's really critical for, for entrepreneurs to plug in. And I think entrepreneurs need to plug in at two levels. One is by stage. So finding those people who are plus or minus six months from facing the same opportunities and challenges that you face. Mm. And then the second one is type of business. And I, and I encourage people to keep it broad, right? Type of business could be 
all things business to consumer or business to business, or it could be all things software, or it could be all things bricks and mortar, which could be product or service or food, for example. Mm. Um, And so because you want a bit of diversity of opinion wrapped around you, but you do need to plug into the community for feedback, for advice, for access to talent and and everything else. So it's really important for people to invest in their local community for that that's what brings people back to the local community. That's what stitches things together, right? Mm, yep, absolutely. And so which inspiring projects or initiatives do you believe are doing this really well? And, you know, whether it's locally there in, in Vancouver or nationally or internationally, which of these organizations do you believe are creating some great positive social change? You know, you ask me this question, I'm like, wow, how long do you have? Yeah, where, where do I start? Yeah, where do I start? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, there's a few that stand out. Impact Hub uh, yeah. is, I think, right now doing some incredible things. And and part of the reason is because it's been around long enough and it's had its successes and its wins and its lumps and its learning uh, moments. And, you know, there are, there are over 110 cities around the world mm-hmm. now. And they have done, I think, a very effective job of embracing a global mission to you know, work day to day, week to week, month to month to change the world and make it a better place. Yep. In all of the ways that its community of entrepreneurs will do that, whether through product or service or software or hardware, and and at the same time, fully embrace the local context. Yep. And so, so whether you go to a really well-established community like in uh, Zurich, um, or you go to one of the up-and-coming communities like Belgrade or you go to one of the nascent communities that they have, such as San Salvador in El Salvador, then uh, I think you really get a strong flavor for that. Another one that I'd love to highlight is uh, Fledge. And Fledge is the Conscious Company Accelerator, and it is based in uh, Seattle, uh, but has uh, currently four locations uh, around the world where it runs an impact accelerator. And they have really unlocked the ability to have entrepreneurs in the impact community move seamlessly from country to country to get you know the support and the network and the capital and the momentum needed to 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 really take things to the next level and 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 change the world in the way that they've defined so so those are a couple of fantastic organizations that i think are doing an amazing job and you know for us at spring we're we're trying to emulate some of those learnings and for us it's really about stitching together uh, global communities of impact entrepreneurs and and where we're where we're trying to do it is we're trying to do it in the day to day and the week to week and the month to month through our roundtable groups uh, which run both online and in person as well as some of the workshops so that you know you can take a big program like a fledge and, and you can be in a co-working space community like an impact hub but you can also get the ongoing support as well and so for me that, that kind of stuff just really gets me excited when I start to see that happening within, you know, this impact entrepreneur community. Yeah, absolutely. We were very lucky at the start of the year, Keith, to spend some time at Impact Hub in Amsterdam and we interviewed oh, fantastic. Tatiana Glad and, you know, the, the community there is just doing such amazing things and it's, it feels like such a great place to, to work and launch a business. So I can certainly relate to your reflections there and I think you've added a couple of really, really great organizations and examples. So to finish off, you mentioned the metronome effect before. Are there any other books that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? 
Yeah, so thanks for asking. In addition to metronome effect, uh, strength-based leadership, which is the companion book to Strength Finders 2.0, for those uh, listeners who have established organizations with a board of directors, I highly recommend Boards That Deliver uh, by Ram Charan, mm-hmm. C-H-A-R-A-N. Uh, it is the formative book on uh, board governance and how boards function. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's such an invaluable resource. Um, I do love Creativity, Inc., uh, which is a book on Pixar. And I love it because it actually has not a whole heck of a lot to do with creativity. It has a ton to do with operations. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of an underserved topic. Mm-hmm. And given that it's written through the lens of the COO, uh, I think it's a it's a pretty amazing um, uh, book for people to to grab onto. And uh, and so those are a couple that that definitely reach out to me. And then if I can, you know, maybe extend it a little bit farther, uh, there is uh, um, a website that I think can present, I think, some really interesting learnings for people. And that is Great Big Story, Mm -hmm. uh, which a lot of people know. But the interesting thing is a lot of people will go to Great Big Story because they're, you know, there's human condition stories and, you know, frontiers and food and so forth. But if you actually take a step back and look at a lot of those stories through the lens of an entrepreneur, you will see some incredible world-changing people there. And so I just really encourage entrepreneurs and especially entrepreneurs who want to make the world a better place to, to, to revisit great big story, but in that lens of being an impact entrepreneur, because there's, there's some real hidden gems in there. Most certainly. Keith, you've shared some fantastic insights today and, and you've been very, very generous in sharing your experience. So thanks so much for your time and we'll very much look forward to touching base again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do this. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.